Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 339, Grumpy Unyoung Men, recorded October 7th, 2018, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark, sometimes known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week, as they always do, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson and Miles the Ossigineer Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome to the Faithful Opiates. Yay. What up, geeks? And we have a special guest, a, a fourth host with us tonight and uh, his name is nick hodges if you are Hello. if you are a fan of delphi you will know that name if you're not it's a fairly common name hey nick <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say it's a fairly common name indeed not as common as my real name which is john but we'll go with nick all right uh so uh basically last week was it last week maybe two weeks ago we had a bit of just uh old guys grumping about young guys and uh, Miles thought we hadn't didn't have enough of that, so we we're just going to do a whole show about old let's, guys. Let's grump away. Yeah, grumping about new guys, and uh, it's it's a fitting that we're doing the show because I am now officially old in that I just ordered a pair of bifocals from Zenny Opticals. So oh, you're I've, just a rookie. I've reached the world of old guy <laughs> status because I have bifocals now. I've, I've had bifocals for a good ten years now. Yeah. So some 15 years ago, I had LASIK. But prior to that, I was I would go to the eye doctor and he'd say, "Read the smallest line on the chart," and I would say, "I know the first one's always E." Um, I had I couldn't even <laughs> see the chart. Uh, LASIK brought me to 2015, and I enjoyed that for a number of years. But age marches, time marches on, age advances. I am now a bi- bifocal guy. So there you go, my whining about being old. Oh well, it'll work. Get off my digital lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say something just like that. And uh, if you're not familiar with Zenny Optical, Z-E-N-N-I Optical, it's it's one of the uh, online uh, eyeglasses place where uh, I got a pair of, of really nice bifocals for $48 as opposed to the 180 or whatever dollars that, uh, that the optical centers around here, the Walmarts or whatever want to charge you. Um, yeah. un- unfortunately... They uh, didn't do the, uh, the the yellow coating that I like for my computer glasses. They don't offer that in bifocals. So, wah. But anyway, enough yep. about that. Yellow coating? I'm not familiar with this. This is new to me. What is that? Oh, it's what I'm wearing right now. These are actually non-prescription, just computer glasses. Uh, you may be familiar with gunner oh, glasses. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Blue blocking, uh, polarized. It, it helps me with my eye strain at the end of the day. As, as, as I'm sure you know, Nick, sitting in a computer in front of a computer for 10 to 12 hours can be a very unpleasant experience it can sitting in particular yes, yes. I, I i use a ball so i'm never quite sitting oh, but look uh, at you. There you uh, go. Okay. but the glasses help with the eye strain that's uh, actually miles turned me on to him he's wearing the expensive version i'm wearing the cheap chinese knockoffs <laughs> i like gunners they're great get them at walgreens where'd you get those dude? uh um, get them online yeah i bought mine from amazon ah very good who doesn't buy stuff from amazon yeah, just sort by lowest price that's how i roll <laughs> <laughs> Seth, I don't know what this means, but you said goodbye to an old friend this week. Okay, well, I waited um, with bated breath. A couple months ago, I ordered the Uncompromising Honor, which turns out to be the final book in the mainline Honor Harrington series that began on Basilixation many years ago. And, you know, curse you, Steve Gibson, for getting me involved uh, with her. Uh, And I was 
so I got the last book and, you know, normally I'm just like a zombie and I sit up there and read it all. But this time I spread the reading out over four days and I was so underwhelmed by the end of the series. It was just kind of a bummer. Um, so the last Honor Harrington book, I would have I would have given up just based on the writing a few books ago, but I was so invested in the characters and I so loved the early books that I hung on and this was this was the last one. And you know, um much like John Ringo is good for a three book series, but when he tries to go that fourth book it falls apart. Well, David Weber, I guess, falls apart after fifteen or twenty and um <laughs> <laughs> this last one, it was just like there was just, I, I don't know. I guess that character has been through everything and you just like, Oh, I see that coming. Oh, I saw that coming. Oh, I bet you that didn't happen really. Oh no, it didn't happen. And it's just like, come on. I, I wanted so much more, um, from the end of the series. Uh, so, but you can tell because this is public knowledge. He said many times over interviews that there, there's this one climactic battle. It happened, I guess, five or six books ago in the series where he had originally intended for honor Harrington to die. And instead he kept her alive. And so the other person that died felt forced and you could tell because she has been totally out of place ever since that one battle. Um, and so, but yeah, it's over. Goodbye, Honor Harrington. I will probably reread the first five or ten books in the series every couple of years just because I enjoyed them so much. But alas, Uncompromising Honor is the end of the line for her. And I know what a big blow this is to you because you and Honor have spent many, many sleepless nights together. Yep. I Oh, she, she was my girlfriend until uh, the, the author took her in directions I didn't like to go. But I stuck with her and I did make it to the end. So it's the end and it's over. Well, I'm I, oh, well. I mourn your loss. I'm, I'm sorry. If there's anything I can do, if you need me to bring a casserole, uh, just <laughs> let me know. Um, it's got to be nine by thirteen, yeah. or it doesn't count. In in a slightly unrelated note, uh, uh, Chris Evans has made a very public announcement that he is done with Captain America. So either Cap's going to die, or 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 go back to being frozen in ice, or something. But whatever's going to happen, it's not going to be Chris Evans playing Captain America anymore. So I think doesn't doesn't Cap get shot like snipered? in the comic books he's done yeah but he came times, back from I mean, that yeah. yeah nobody's ever That's really dead in the comic he came book. back from that oh okay well, <laughs> yeah you know who yeah. knows what'll happen yeah bucky will pick up the shield and comic books schmomic books right. <laughs> they don't care about the marvel's <laughs> cinematic universe i guess uh and and then of course <laughs> miles i, I kind of thought you would talk about this uh, elon <laughs> musk opens his twitter account and loses a billion dollars yeah oh, i mean come on dude I mean, first he's smoking weed on Joe Rogan, and now he's out there blasting. Or he says he's going to take his company private, and everyone's like, no, don't say that. And then $30 million later, everyone's losing this, you know. And then the next thing you know, he, he gets slapped on the wrist by the SEC, gets fined some ridiculous amount of money, gets kicked out of being, was it CEO? He's now chairman or vice versa or whatever it was. And then that's, you know, you think, okay, he's learned his lesson, right? Now, this week, he comes out and he's just ranting against the SEC again. I mean, this guy's got a freaking death wish. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I Don't buy a Tesla. That's all I can say. 
No, no, no. I'm I'm sure this is part of the strategy to jive the price down where he can buy up enough shares to take it private. <laughs> so this is this is really what the rich do. He's in a position to manipulate the stock price by being just his personality. And then when it gets down low, he's like, okay, I've bought all the shares. I'm taking it private. Now I can do whatever I want. So I just act, he's acting like a five year old. You know, he's having a little tantrum. He needs to get over it. All I'm going to say is many people have gone broke betting against Elon Musk. So I, I'm I'm just going to wait and see how he turns this into brilliance because I kind of pretty sure he will. Yeah. Like I say, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> all right. So, Miles, why don't you give us a little introduction to the topic at hand and, and Nick in particular, and then we'll let him speak to for himself for a while. <laughs> okay. All right. Well... I, I've known of Nick for many, many, many years. I'm not a expert Delphi developer at all, but I've I've been hanging around with that crew since the dawn of time, I guess. And uh, Nick, I uh, love your work, man. You've done great stuff for the community, and you've obviously Thanks. been been through a heck of a lot. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 interesting thing, you know, I follow Nick on Twitter, and I and I saw a post that he put out there about uh, his reaction to, um, I think, a blog. Maybe, actually, I'm sorry, it was on Steemit. I bumped yeah. into your posting on Steemit. And I've been posting on Steemit a little bit. It's kind of an interesting decentralized yeah. application blogging platform, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's great. Um, the one thing that was really interesting about it was that um, you know, I'm 53 years old. I'm going to have to disclo disclose age. I think actually for this conversation to be worth explaining, we may all have to sell a, say our age here, guys. I hate to say it. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm one of those freaks that started with a PC when I was a kid in my you know bedroom. I had a TRS-80 in 77, I think it was, 78, something like that. And so I kind of turned that into a career. Um, and that was fun and now i'm in my i don't know waxing period i don't know what you call it waning period right um i kind of look at this whole thing and go you know i've got a lot of value to add here still i've got a lot of skills a lot of you know i i can tell people who are junior level developers what life is like having to maintain crap code from the other guy because they haven't been through that life experience yet um and I just started to realize, you know, a lot of the people that I went through careers with have kind of gone, long gone. I mean, I don't know, they're all selling used cars or they got it, made a bunch of money on, the, on an IPO or something, right? But um, the, the few of us left, and it's not few, the many of us that are left, just seem to be getting the raw, raw deal uh, right now. And the particular statement that triggered this whole thing was a statement that Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg said recently, the Mr. Facebook, and I'll quote it. I want to stress the importance of being young and technical. Young people are just smarter. So <laughs> that's the fuming trigger. So at this point, I thought, let's open this conversation up. And Nick, you've, your experience is epic so you can talk to this with so much credibility so that's where i wanted to open up the conversation well yeah i appreciate it. i'll i'll uh i appreciate that i'll uh confess i'm 56 
And I didn't start programming as a professional until 2000, I guess, when I was about late 30s. So it was uh, kind of, I kind of came late to it. But, uh, you know, first of all, Zuckerberg's statement is just false on the face of it. You're, you know, you don't lose IQ points as you get older, at least not until you get some kind of disease that might cause that, I suppose. But, you know, I don't feel any dumber than I was when I was 22. Quite the opposite. I mean, when I was, you know, 22, 25, I was dumb as a brick, at least from my perspective now at 56. So I don't, I don't really see how the no, I refute the notion that, you know, that they're smarter because they're younger. I mean, they may, they may have more energy or they may be able to stay up all night better, but I'm not going to argue that staying up all night is the best way to write code. So I don't know. I I just that that was I think that's what set me off was that statement I read by him, and then I wrote the blog post. And you you mean the best code doesn't come from uh, Mountain Dew fueled delirium? I'm going to argue that no, it does not. I'm going to argue <laughs> that that's probably the worst kind of code you want. Um, but the thing is, you know, you're so delirious it looks like the best code ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're creating so many problems. It's going to be the best code ever, right? This is so beautiful, man. No, I you know I. I don't buy that. I don't buy that stressed out, overworked programmers do best work. In fact, I'd argue exactly the opposite. I'd argue that if you're pressing your your folks to work more than 40 hours a week, you know, every week without fail, then you're going to end up with some real bad results, not good results. Um, I mean, you know, it, you got to be able to think clearly to write good code. And if you're just flailing away writing crap you're going to end up writing crap it's been my experience anyway maybe other people have a different experience maybe caffeine fueled late night sessions bring out the genius in us and i've just missed out on that or something i don't know i think it's also important to to add to this that the average age of these silicon valley companies is ridiculously young um i think it's facebook and google share average ages in either the late 20s or very early 30s for all of their employees combined. And that just, I mean, that's just very, very, very young. Um, an interesting adjunct to this was a very good friend of mine who's a, uh, an aeronautical engineer, a very smart one. Now, he's about my age. He's from Australia as well. Um, he got asked by Google to interview for a job, which they were working with one of the, you know, these Google ventures, they own these sort of startups that are, that are out there. Well, these guys had created some sort of a pilotable drone uh, plane that they were trying to, you know, work out and get the bugs out and so on. And they had reached out to this, to this friend of mine and asked him to come and interview for uh, a job at Google. So they flew him all the way across the Pacific and put him up in some nice hotel and sent him down to Google to interview. And um, he did the interview and he thought he did very well. They seemed very impressed and he had certainly could do this work without any problem at all. Anyway, they sent him back. So back over the Pacific, he flies, he gets back to Australia, waits like three weeks, gets a nice little email saying, we're sorry you didn't get the job. And he's like, what? <laughs> how many aeronautical engineers that know this sort of technology are out there? Um, as it happens, he, too old. And I know it's easy to say, he, maybe he's just whining about the fact that he didn't get the job, but he knew right there and then when he walked into the interview room that he could have been the father of everybody interviewing him and it just was not going to fly. 
And Nick, you, I mean, you, you worked up there in the valley there for, for some time, right? I mean, you know that sure, culture. Yeah. Is, is, that, is, that, is that what's happening out there? Um, I didn't experience that myself. You know, we had some mature developers working on the Delphi team when I was, when I was the R&D manager there. But I don't doubt that guy's story. Um, you know, let's set aside the legality of such a decision. Um, you know, if they talked about how old he was, that's an immediately a actionable uh, tort. You know, you can't mention how old somebody is. You're not even allowed to ask them how old they are. I, there's are some arcane rules and laws about how old you can be and whatever with regard to mentioning someone's age. But, you know, I, obviously it seems to me in that situation, Google made a bad decision passing up, one, you know, an obviously ob obviously capable candidate simply because of the guy's age um i guess i'm biased i'm i'm, a, I'm an old you know gray you know gray beard developer as they say and uh i think old gray beard developers can do a great job uh not and you know and uh i don't feel as i said i don't feel any dumber than a 28 year old as a matter of fact i feel like i've got a lot more experience and savvy than a 28 year old does uh, and that's been my experience where I work now. You know, we have some 28-year-old developers who are great. They're great guys, great gals, hardworking, do good work, but they just don't have the depth and breadth of experience. And so we have a good mix of older and younger, and I think it works really well. Now, just to add some context to this discussion, that uh, quote from Mark Zuckerberg, people are just smarter, was in 2007. Uh, Zuckerberg is 34 years old today. So let me do some math on air. I'm not my not my strongest suit. But if he's 34 today, that was 2007. That was 11 years ago. He was 23 at the time he said that. Um, what 23 year old doesn't think he's the smartest person in any room? Uh, I would. That's a good point. I would wonder if he would still say that today at 34, and certainly in 10 years at 44, I bet he wouldn't say the same thing. I think his well, actions did, are louder than his words. Admit he's dumber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Is he going to have to admit that? Uh, that he's did he, did he get dumber or it was his the last generation is his generation now the exception and young people aren't just smarter it was just his generation that was smarter um, <laughs> you know I I tend to want to uh, in much the same way I didn't want to crucify a a, a, a a Supreme Court justice candidate for what he said when he was eighteen I don't want to crucify Zuckerberg for what he said when he was twenty three um, that's a good point yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there definitely seems to be a um, a bias toward young in the tech field, right? And we all kind of got our jobs because we were the young hotshots. Um, I don't think I would be in my career today where I was if I wasn't the young hotshot 20 years ago. Right. That's a good point. I, I don't think that uh, there's anything wrong with hiring young hotshots. I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't hire young hotshots. I think what is works out best is kind of a mix of cool and steady hands of the older guys, older people, and some of the enthusiasm that young people can bring. And then I just committed the error that I rated the other guy for is that young people bring enthusiasm, but that doesn't mean I'm not enthusiastic. I'm very enthusiastic about software development. I was at Tech Bash, this conference in the Poconos this past week, and I loved it, had a great time. I was fired up, and I gave a few talks there, and uh, I attended a bunch of great talks, and uh, I would put my enthusiasm for software development up against any 25-year-old, you know. So, I don't know. Tough to say. 
I'm curious, Seth, you just changed jobs, right? So you just got a new gig. How did age play in, at least what was your perception? Did age play into your interview process? Did we lose Seth? I think maybe we have. He's unresponsive. <laughs> he either, we've either lost him or he's completely catatonic. I don't know which. Um, Can you hear me now? Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. There we go. Mr. Okay. Verizon. Yeah, I've been in and out for a bit. Sorry. Okay, let me repeat that. Um, I was asking whether or not your uh, interview process for your, your current job, the job you just got, whether age became a factor or whether you felt that it, maybe it was a factor? Uh, for me, no. Yeah. Not really, because I mean, but I am one of the older, well, the, I'm in the top half of the age bracket there. So, so okay. I, just interestingly, I, I, I'm I'm a corporate guy now, um, and uh I have I am at a certain level uh, in my job, and there is a position equal to my level available right now, and and the front runner is almost twenty years my junior, and I find myself thinking this young guy shouldn't be at the same level I am, and then when I you know when I force myself to think about that, what why do I think that? Um, is it because he can't do the job? Well, no, that's actually not it at all. Is it because um, uh, he doesn't have the experience? Well, maybe. Is it just because I think young guys should be uh, <laughs> below me? <laughs> I think maybe that's what it is. Uh, so, you know, I want to acknowledge my own um, uh, with bias in that situation. What well, I, I, uh, I'm a firm believer that while you may not be able to teach old dogs new tricks, you can teach old humans new tricks, you know, that. I, I'm not going to argue that the older you get, the less likely you are to learn something new. I, I think that's that's total baloney. I think some people get older and, and grow disinterested or whatever, but uh, that's not any different from anybody at any age, really. But I know I know what you feel. I, I sit in rooms all day with kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> Programmers, you know, people that I'm working with that I am old enough to be their dad. And, and that's cool. That's great. They're great guys. Great. We have a couple of women too, which is also good. And, um, it's just kind of weird when you realize that you're working with these guys side by side and they could be your kid. You know, they're not that much older than your oldest kid. You, you know, it, uh, interesting thing happened to me this week. I've got a client here in, um, Phoenix and they're a medical billing company. And it just so happens I wrote all of their software for them that runs their business. And they grew from nothing to, I don't know, 100 people. And they've done very well. Um, they came to me. My, the software is kind of older now, so it's mature, it's in maintenance, so we don't do much with it. But uh, they came to me and said, we're thinking about hiring a junior developer. What do you think? And I'm like, well, you can do what you want to do, right? But at the same same time, I said, well... Uh, what exactly do you, are you looking for me to advise you on? And I think what they were trying to say was, we think that we can bring in somebody cheap and sort of groom them and grow them through the company. And I said, well, um, I would say if this is your first software developer that you're hiring for the company, you probably don't want to go with the junior. And uh, the analogy I drew was, it's like the apprentice needs a mentor, 
Mm-hmm. And and that that person then can progress after they've been properly trained into kind of a journeyman and then into a master over time. But you can't expect to throw a junior developer into a company and burden them with, uh, you know, a company making, I don't know, $100 million a year and expect them not to screw something up, which will have significant financial downside to that company. But the funny thing is the people who are asking me this very question were 30-something-year-old guys too who were juniors (laughs) when they founded the company. So there was this attitude like, well, we didn't know squat when we founded the company, but we've built it up to this. So if we hire somebody who doesn't know squat, they'll just do that too, right? <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that with engineers. You know, you've got to – somebody's got to teach you. Yeah, I, you know, good software comes from knowing solid, proven software methodologies. And knowing s- – proven solid methodologies comes from applying solid methodologies and applying solid methodologies comes through experience. And a junior without any adult, you know, adult leadership, as it were, is uh, probably going to have a harder time figuring out what those sound methodologies are than someone who's got an excellent mentor to lead them into their middle years and their senior years. What what would you say is a reasonable amount of time that somebody should go from kind of zero to hero as a software developer and progress through that? I, I'm going to say, like, it'll take you a good eight, ten years to be somebody who is no longer somebody who's a real junior programmer. Um, I know when I started, I you know, it took me a long, long time to get to the point where I felt like I knew what I was doing. And uh, writing professional, you know, that was me writing shareware back when I was in the Navy, you know, and doing it on the side. And it, it took a lot of study and work. And I didn't have somebody that I could turn to and say, well, I guess I did. I had CompuServe forums, but, you know, you didn't have that person there who's working with you and who has a vested interest in your progression through your career. So I'm going to put it at eight to 10 years before I would say somebody could qualify as a senior developer. To quote one of my favorite scientists, Niels Bohr, an expert is a man who's made all the mistakes which can be made. That's how you become an expert, is you screw (laughs) up a lot. Yeah, what's that saying? It says, you know, experience comes through, good experience, or knowledge comes through bad experience. I don't know what it is. You know, what's that thing? Experience comes through poor judgment, and poor poor judgment comes from poor experience. Yeah, Yeah, bad judgment. Experience comes from bad judgment. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thanks for picking me up. That's what I do. Yeah, I, I... I have a feeling that um, there's a there's kind of certain acid tests that I find with in in the software world. Uh, I'm sure it's the same with hardware engineers too. But in the software world, if you have written software, then left the company, gave it to somebody, and they're not ready to kill you in some back alley later, then you're <laughs> you know likely to be one of those crazy talented you know born with the skills of a guru sort of per- people. But that, that, that doesn't happen. I mean, we if, if you asked any software developer about the first program they ever wrote and to go back and revisit it, they'd be scared to. I would. I'd hate to look at that. It's, it's, it's crap. <laughs> um, and I think that the to, to return this back to the, 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 the value of age and tenure – 
there comes a time when that experience, that mentorship is so valuable that it needs to be paid for higher than the junior. It needs to generate a better rate. And I wonder at what, if, there's a, if there is a ceiling, however, like at what point are you too old? Well, there comes a time when you're just not willing to take the risks or, or put forth the effort that, you know, maybe a job demands. Um, I, I, I've found that in my own career, you know, when, when I was younger, I was, uh, had fewer encumbrances and I was willing to put in the hours. And as I've gotten older, I have sought out jobs that require, you know, less than 90 hours a week because I have other things I want to spend my time on. I think maybe that equation solves itself over time. I don't think there's any refuting that the older we get, the more responsibility we have. I mean, I got a mortgage. I got two kids at home. I've sent one on her way already. And, uh, you know, that that requires a certain amount of steadiness and uh, requires a certain amount of lack of risk or risk avoidance uh, in order to seek out some certain amount of security. Now, the, the, the flip side to that is, or well, which means that, you know, I'm not going to be looking for a job where I have to work 60 hours a week. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is in my 40 hours a week, I have, I'm able to produce, based upon my years of experience, you know, good software. Right. Yeah, I, I've got a friend of mine who's 82, and he is a uh, – Amazing guy. He's a PhD level software engineer. He used to be um, on the board of Carnegie Mellon University at the Software Engineering Institute. Uh, he was one of the original authors of the capability maturity model, which is used mm. to sort of rate software companies worldwide, mainly for defense, uh, defense acquisition sort of stuff. And he and I have worked together on a few projects before where I've you know, we, we would go in and do sort of joint application design sessions for corporations, work out exactly what they needed. And I was kind of the scribe and he was the master. And I learned so much from him. But when I met him, I would say he was about late 60s. And I thought this guy was about to head into retirement. But because he was acting in a consulting capacity, he didn't. 20-something years later, he's still going strong. Yeah, and I, and I look at that and think, you know, there's hope. <laughs> yeah, the old, the older I get, the more I believe that you're only as old as you feel, or you're only as old as you think you are. You know, I bet he's he's. You said he's 82, and I mean, he probably doesn't think he's 82. He probably thinks he's 29. You know, mm -hmm. or at least inside he feels that way. If he's still at it. And so, Miles, I'm going to make some presumptions based on, you know, what the way you spoke about him. You see this guy who's 30 plus years your uh, senior as a as a resource, a treasure trove of of ideas and information, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy authored DOD standard 2167. I mean, if you're not a, a military developer, that'll sound like a whole gobbledygook. Um, but this is the standard we used to write systems for you know, life-threatening, mission-critical systems that we're all rated on. This was, you know, he wrote the standard. He was the guy. I, I hold him in high esteem. I mean, yeah, I, and I still do. His work today is as strong as it was 20 years ago when I met him. Let me ask you this. Do you think he's an outlier for 82-year-olds? Yeah, I do. But I would... but the one thing I do say in his, uh, for him, which I, I think is 
kind of gives you hope as you get older. He put down the creating probably in his late 60s and took up the consulting. Mm-hmm. And and that tends to be, I mean, I guess he, he sort of said, look, my life experience, what I've done, what I've seen, uh, where I've seen things work, where I've seen things, things fail, my value add at this point in my life is better to, to mentor or teach other people, particularly, you know, speaking in large conferences, groups and so on, um, that that became, you know, his world. And yeah, the good the good thing is you don't have to sit there for eighty hours writing code all the time. The bad thing is you're sitting for eighty hours on a plane as they send you to Beijing to talk to some company or to India or to Buenos Aires, and that, and that's kind of the world he lives in now. Well, I I, I kind of asked if he was an outlier because I think there's outliers on both ends. You know, uh, guy, you know, you always think of a guy like Anders Heilsberg who was nineteen writing the Turbo Pascal compiler. And, uh, I mean, he's one in a billion, one in a hundred million kind of guy. And then there's this, all of a sudden, I can't remember his name, but the guy who wrote Ethereum. Oh, uh, Vitalik. Vitalik. He's only 20 and he wrote Ethereum. You know, those guys are outliers as well. So, I mean, sure, there are young geniuses and there are old geniuses. There are young people whose productivity is way off the charts and there are old people whose productivity is way off the charts. Um, and, and then there's middle-aged guys that are worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that's absolutely true. I mean, there's you know young guys that are worthless, and there's old guys that are worthless. So, you know, just I, I think that your age doesn't have to dictate the kind of developer you are, not by any stretch of the imagination. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. No matter whether you're old or young. Do you do you think that statement is true outside? If if you take the word developer out and and put any other, you know, is the same true for plumbers and uh, you know uh, gardeners and um, teachers? I would guess, yeah. I probably not true for basketball players, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, you know, a plumber uh, can be as good a plumber as he could ever be at age 75 i suppose as long as he can still crawl under the sink and get the job done you know it's an interesting point interesting notion yeah i guess we programmers don't really have to worry about you know fitness and keeping our backs in good straight order and so on like like those guys would Mm -hmm. yeah this whole discussion has been about you know, intellectual abilities. Uh, sure. And I think we, we should also acknowledge that, that there is a, while there is intellectual deterioration that inevitably happens with age, there's also physical deterioration. And, and I wonder if maybe part of the mindset of the old guy can't code comes from the fact that this tech thing is new and for centuries, the old guy can't fill in the blank. You know, that that's an excellent point. I, there definitely is a bias towards youth in our society in general, right? We, you know, we find young people more attractive, more, you know, uh, all those things. You don't find too many 60-year-old supermodels, although I suppose there are some. But uh, I think that's an excellent point that, you know, historically over the centuries, the older you got, the less capable you were. And uh, as intellectual pursuits have become more and more common, perhaps that stereotype has carried over into into the intellectual pursuits as opposed to more physical pursuits. Seth, are you hearing us well enough to comment on that? Um, 
I mean, I could follow the basic gist of it. And I think there is a lot to that. You know, the thing is, we've probably forgotten some of the basic steps. And that's why to somebody who just had the basic steps, they're like, you don't know that, man, you're stupid. And so, you know, the things that we have forgotten should be more than offset by the things we have learned. And, you know, the the 80 year old plumber still knows how to get under the sink and contort his body to do all of that. But he can't do it as fast or as often as a 20 year old who can contort his body, but doesn't remember the size of the ranch or the size of the pipe fitting or anything. It has to make those extra trips. And so the 80 year old still has the mental ability, but has lost some of the physical. Whereas in coding, you know, you can still type and maybe you can't type as fast and maybe you can't work as long because you'll just fall asleep and hit your head on your keyboard, but you can still do it. And the knowledge of the best practices that you don't have to think about because they become mental muscle memory will offset somebody who can type a hundred words a minute and can stay up 48 hours straight, but has to constantly Google how to do this and how to do that. And so the, the slow old tortoise will beat the quick old hare down the track. Yep. That's right. Youth and inexperience was always overcome by uh, age and treachery. Age and ex- <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, okay, there's another thing that's going on right now, which I've noticed, and I'm not sure if you guys have seen it the same way, but when it came to software development, there used to be your investment of time and energy was was often your knowledge of the language you were coding in, in the same way that, you know, we speak different languages and some are more advanced than others. With coding, a long time ago, I'm thinking about 80s maybe, Coding languages were, were a thing you did every couple of years. You know, you learnt BASIC and then you learnt Pascal and then you learnt C and then you learnt whatever. Um, and that was how you advanced. You grasp a new language, a new dialect, a new, new technology. And every time you'd take on a new language, it was like, okay, stop everybody. We're starting from now. And then you'd just go. And nobody was more experienced than anybody else because we're all starting from from a reset point each time. So we don't have that happening these days as much. We do in some, like web development, you know, you've got different frameworks and different versions of JavaScript and different, that sort of thing, right? And there is a reset that goes on. But it's almost like the, what I've noticed as a developer who programs in, I don't know, half a dozen languages, I got, I can get, continuous longevity out of that but for the new guys coming out of the gate they want to pick the new the new cool thing whatever it is and the new cool thing is really there because they want the reset point they want to start at an equal level to everybody else and show their true colors um is is that your experience nick yeah i think that's a great point um there's definitely a sense of new and shiny you know ooh, pretty uh, in the software development world where people are always seeking out the new and latest and greatest thing. I mean, we fight that in the Delphi community um, where people think Delphi is sort of stuck back in Delphi 7, you know, where there's no generics, no anonymous methods, no lambdas, whatever kind of thing. And then they sort of lose touch with the language and the language gets frozen where they think it was. And then they move on to something new like C Sharp. And shoot, C Sharp's 18, 17 years old now. Mm-hmm. And I guess Ruby is the stu- new thing, except for, wait, Ruby's 
been around for 20 years, you know. Uh, and so the new language, what is, you know, there's new in Swift or uh, uh, Rust, you know, functional programming, all those things are always new. And I think, I think there's definitely the sense of new and shiny. And I think part of that is that point, you very good point you made, which is that everybody wants to start out on a level playing field, if especially if they're behind on another playing field. I, yeah. That seems like a, a nice logical place to wrap this up. Um, okay. So uh, I'm going to give, you know, 30 second rebuttal. Anybody, anybody have anything else to say about that? I guess not. All right. <laughs> uh, Nick, we literally gave you the last word. So uh, there's that. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, I, I guess that means there's nothing more for me to say except Seth, what happened this week in history? All right, Mark. Well, I wanted to let you and all of the faithful opiates know that on October the 9th, 1876, the first phone call over outdoor wires was completed. So in 1876, Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Watson demonstrate the first two-way phone call over outdoor wires. Bell and Watson made their call between the cities of Boston and Cambridge, thus ushering in a new era of communication. And that happened this week in history, Mark, and now back to you. And so all of this began, everything that we're talking about, this whole internet thing. Here we are, some 200 years later not quite 150 years later um having a conversation face to face with somebody miles away over essentially outdoor wires yeah but they didn't have the presidential alert system like we got now (laughs) yeah that's true but you know you think about that before then it was just wired in the building so i mean could you imagine if like you know you'd have to build a building between new york and los angeles to run cables (laughs) unless somebody proved you could hey those wires that used to run telegraphs i bet they work fine for telephone calls as well so got to start somewhere yeah and and early in the uh, in the the days of the telephone they were just stringing the wire from tree to tree nobody even thought about um putting on a uh, um up a pole Uh, things have changed now we have satellites in space man um, all right. Now, Seth, what do you have to tickle our fancy this week in, in the random category? Okay. I ca- I came across this site just today. Um, there's a website called Five Second Films. And so they tell a story in five seconds. And so uh, a lot of them are just YouTube videos collected at fivesecondfilms.com. Uh, this one is Timmy's Dying Wish. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. So if you go click on there, uh, Timmy's Dying Wish to Make a Wish Foundation. And then, you know, there's lots of other films there. That's not the only one. But just uh, I thought it was pretty funny. So there you go. We, we usually, these are typically time wasters. This is very small time wasting. Five seconds. Right. Well, you know, th- but there's a lot of them. So, <laughs> quantity over quality. <laughs> yeah, quantity is a quality all its own. Said uh, most military commanders. <laughs> all right. Well, having wrapped up all of our required shtick at the end of the show, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. What do you think? Are you a young upstart who thinks all us old guys need to just retire and get out of your way? Are you a, probably not based on the, the demographics of the show. Are you a gray beard who wishes these young millennials would just go away? 
more likely, based on the demographics of this show. Um, let us know what you think. You can go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, answer the world's hardest CAPTCHA with such stirring questions as, what garment of uh, what garment article of clothing is worn on hands? Hint, it's gloves. Um, then uh, fill out the form there, and that uh, we'll send an email that gets priority in my in-basket, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. What do you have to say about... Um, the old guys complaining or the young guys uh, wanting to uh, take over the world. Are young people just smarter? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Also, you can uh, send us an email at geekrant at elementopi.com or you can call us at 559-IAMOPI and leave us a voicemail on our Google Voice box. Nobody will answer that. If somebody does answer that, let me know because... Seriously, nobody should be answering that. <laughs> that should just be an empty voice box, voicemail box, where you answer, um, uh, where you tell us what you think, and we play it on the show. Um, so that's it. Any final words of wisdom from any of my three co-hosts this evening? Old guys rule. Wisdom? Amen. Old guys write the rules, for sure. <laughs> this whole conversation reminded me of a, a book, and I was I was doing some quick Googling. Um, I never actually read the book. I heard... Uh, a friend of mine who read the book was telling me about it. I think uh, it's Skip Simons, uh, S-I-M-O-N-D-S, if I got it right. Uh, it talks about the three stages of a man that uh, actually four, I think it is. But uh, every man is uh, starts out as a warrior conquering territory, then becomes a king uh, ruling over his territory, and then steps off the throne and becomes a sage uh, giving advice to the new king. And uh, it's been interesting that uh, this whole conversation that we've just talked about has followed that sort of thing. The young gun comes in, wants to can- uh, uh, um, conquer territory. The young guy, the manager, right, just wants to make everything, uh, make sure everybody's where they need to be. Uh, and then the the Miles, the guy you were talking about, your your uh, 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 what's the word mentor? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the he's a sage, right? He stepped off. He's that consultant, right? Now he flies to places and says, you guys are a bunch of morons and people pay him a lot of money for that. Um, oh yeah. So we all, we all, uh, every man, uh, you know, that this was uh, a book by a man for men, but I think all people, uh, tend to follow that. The, the warrior, uh, monarch sage, uh, sort of progression. I just thought it was interesting. And we had a couple of minutes to share. So spare. So I was telling you about it. Any, any thoughts yeah. on that? You know, if I wanted to lob an incendiary to the other camp, I would say something like, the reason young people can pick up technology so easy is because the old people had to dumb it down enough so they could use it in the first place. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to do that on this show. I'll save that for, like, some of the follow-up emails that come in. But, you know, <laughs> if I wanted to be on a show called Geek Rant and I wanted to rant, I would probably go in that direction. Well, I'll, I'll add one thing. Behind me are a whole bunch of old computers. I and I, the, re- the reason why they're there is they remind me every single day that I get up that somebody came before me and they did some pretty cool stuff and that I wouldn't be here if they didn't exist and that that respect I have to have to my history and to my predecessors and my hope is that uh, the the younger generation of developers who will take the you know the baton from my hands have that same respect <laughs> because if they don't we're all doomed. <laughs> Another great point. Uh, we all stand on the shoulder of giants. I think is probably the bottom line there. Yeah, and compared to uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I am a giant. 
Just going to say that right there. Uh, <laughs> not intellectually, but he's five foot seven, according to Wikipedia. Um, so, Nick, I'm going to give you uh, the last word. Anything you want to plug? Any uh, a website, a blog, a book you want to to tell people about? Um, I'll tell you what. On my and speaking of learning new things, lately I've been learning uh, Angular and TypeScript. Been teaching myself that on the side as uh, while my day job remains as a manager at Delphi Developers and some C sharp development. Um, so I've been learning Angular and TypeScript, and you can come and follow my journey at uh, angle, anglesandtypes.io. All the cool kids have .io addresses now, so I guess i got to stay up with the cool kids. <laughs> I will make a note of that and make sure it's in the show notes uh, well, at Element OP, so you can click on that, anglesandtypes.io, typeseo. Um, all right. <laughs> Well, Nick, we, we certainly appreciate your time. You, you've been uh, a, 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 a good representative of the Greybeard class. And uh, oh, thank you. we thank you for that. And you're welcome back anytime. You want to just waste a Sunday evening, uh, we'd be happy to have you. Um, All right. And to you, the listening audience, we thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, your time and your effort. Uh, and, you know, there's uh, millions and millions of podcasts out there, and the fact that you chose to spend an hour with us uh, it says a lot, and we appreciate that. But I do ask one more thing from you. If you like the show, why not kick us a few bucks over at patreon.com slash element OP um, and, uh, you know, stand up and be counted in a real way. Uh, we don't uh, make a ton of money doing this. We make almost no money. In fact, I, I think I was very public last year that after I paid all my uh, um, expenses, I made about uh, $200 total profit last year. Uh, which I split with these two guys. So I made about $75 profit when it was all said and done. So if you would like to pay these old guys for the work they do, patreon.com slash elementop or elementop.com slash patreon. See how that works. Uh, stand up. If you can't afford five bucks a month, that's fine. But honestly, you can afford five bucks a month. That's a buck and a quarter a show. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, we need to pay for a happy hour at the casino. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm all in on that. Yeah, it's uh, if you if you, <laughs> anyway, I, I hate begging for money, but the fact is, uh, stuff's got to be paid. Um, and um, I would I like it if you paid it more than I like it if I paid it. <laughs> so You're thanks for listening. Heart. <laughs> Seth Miles, as always, you're the best co-host uh, I can get on what I can afford to pay you. Uh, Nick, you are an excellent guest. Thank you for hanging out with us. And that's it for this episode of the Geek, An- Geek Geek Rant Podcast. And remember, pay for what you like. <laughs>